social emotional learning it's the new way where culturally responsive meets innovation Hey, Dominators. My name is Kristen Hopkins, CEO and founder of Dangers of the Mind, a company that identifies the attacks against your everyday thought life that shifts major progress. I'm a social emotional learning expert, curriculum developer, and social entrepreneur who believes in the holistic development of youth and young adults through culturally responsive and culturally affirming resources. Welcome to Dangers of the Mind. Welcome back to season three of the Dangers of the Mind podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Hopkins, and I'm so excited because there's been a lot of things happening. So before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you what's been going on with me and Dangers of the Mind. Some really exciting stuff. So let me spill the tea real quick. Let's talk more SEL. Our parent forums have been absolutely amazing. We've been impacting and reaching parents all across the nation. Shout out to Clayton County, Windsor Public Schools and those who are still interested in we're going to be working with moving forward. Also, our DLM integrated technology system has been a crazy ride, but we have finally gotten to a point where it is just operating where we need it to be operating. And that's really exciting. So I'm excited to see the year end with that. And then also I've hired some new people on my team. So now we're a team of seven, which is really exciting. And it's really hard at the same time, y'all, because I'm managing people. Y'all know me and my managing skills, I'm still trying to get it right. So this is something that I'm working on, but it's still exciting to see the team grow and to see dangers of the mind expand. And then last but not least, our blackSEL.org. This is my baby. And I am so excited to tell y'all that it's officially up and is a social emotional hub for Black people. So you have to check it out. You have free resources and all those extra things that you can grab just by being a part. So I'm really just excited to get into what today's episode is about and to talk about some of the things that we see on a day-to-day basis in education. Okay, so today's episode, we're going to be talking about a Black leader's role in education. And I'm excited to dive right into this episode because this is a very important topic for educators parents, and students across the nation. Last year, I had our annual Black SEO conference, and the topic was the state of emergency on America's youth. Now, at the time, and here we still are in a global pandemic, Black people were facing two pandemics, the fight of racial inequality and injustice. But since 2019, Dangers of the Mind has been partnering with the Urban Assembly to hold our annual SEO Forum Girls Conference for Black and Brown Girls. Now, listen, y'all, this is what I need to tell y'all. Last year, there was an outpour of black and brown girls who were struggling mentally and socially during this time. I was reading information from these young girls and it brought me to tears. Some of their experiences or lack thereof, they had been missing out on. I mean, their social engagement was low. They were depressed. I mean, it was just really, really, really bad when I read a lot of these surveys. It also allowed me to see the importance of a Black leader's role in education now more than ever. So let's chat facts a little bit before we go into the episode truly. In the 18th and 19th century, enslaved Africans used education as a tool for emancipation and liberation. These slaves knew and believed 
that learning to read and write could aid them in acquiring their freedom from institutional slavery. First of all, just thinking about slavery sometimes just (laughs) makes me feel like, wow, I don't know what I would have done in these type of situations. But then those who learned how to read and write risked their own lives to teach literacy skills to other enslaved people. They believed that this was their social responsibility and they saw it as a political act that challenged slavery's mandate. Now let's pause. Listen, some of us can't even stop and give a homeless man a sandwich on the street, yet alone pay for a friend's cup of coffee. And you telling me that I'm reading that my ancestors was out here risking their lives, using social awareness skills and cultivating empathy and perspective taking just to make it their social responsibility to teach someone else what they knew. Now, this is truly each one, reach one, teach one at its finest. When we look at a Black leader role in education, I first want to stop and acknowledge all Black educators who have clearly followed in our ancestors' footsteps and believe in the importance of education and teaching this to all Black youth. Now, who do I believe are Black leaders in education, you may ask? You know, that's a hard question because I feel like this was something that was posed to me a long time ago that I couldn't answer. But now I believe all teachers, administration, parents, and community leaders are all educators in a sense. Let's break this down. We look at teachers, they're leaders in education because every day teachers are influencing our children's lives. Now let's take a closer look at this. And you think about a child and how they go to school and truly understand how critical a Black leader's role is in education. Let's use North Carolina, for example. Shout out to the Bull City, baby. Durham is where I reside. But okay, so the average child is in the school for 6.7 hours, and they are in school for 180 days. So if we do the math, a teacher can have an average of, say, 1,100 to 1,200 hours of impact on a child. That's a lot of influence on one child. And we know that Black students who were exposed to Black teachers by the third grade were 13% more likely to enroll in college. If kids had two Black teachers by third grade, they were likely to enroll in college by 32%. Y'all, we need more Black teachers, period, point blank, period, all right? But administrators, what does their role look like? It's a couple of things that we can say. An administration can be superintendents, it can be principals, it can be vice principals. But I would say that their role is to not only model social-emotional skill as leaders, because these are what our children are looking at, But the key role is to make sure that they are providing the right resources for kids in these environments that they serve. I think a lot of times when we look at, you know, the superintendent level or we look at the district levels, sometimes those people in those roles have been out of the school, the everyday hustle and bustle on the ground level of schools for so long that they forget the needs of a child, and they forget the responsibility and the weight 
that a teacher carries, a counselor carries, a psychologist carries when they're in schools. Now, let's put this into perspective that we're in still in a pandemic and a lot of teachers are struggling. And a lot of schools that I work with, I see it every single day, whether we hear it through the communication from our facilitators, whether we see it through our students. There is a big amount, an immense amount of stress on teachers because they're not just going through this pandemic on their own. They have their own families and their own lives that are going through this. And so we have to take that into account when we think about the Black leader and their role in education, because right now we need these Black leaders more than ever. This episode is brought to you by BlackSEL.org. Have you ever wondered what the Black student experience looked like in today's world? Who influences these experiences? And how are Black children truly feeling with the pressures of COVID? Join our Black SEL webinar on the Black student experience. Click the link in the show notes to learn more and register. Seats are limited, so act fast. Another reason why we need these Black leaders more than ever and really understanding what their roles are is because of the budgets in education in urban districts. It is so important that Black leaders understand how to commit and allocate budgets to Black curriculum providers. Yep, I said it. Let's talk about it. Because as a Black social and emotional curriculum provider, and there are not a lot of us, is very, very slim. It is important to understand that we design specifically to make sure that our children of color are reached to these programs. Children of color are suffering with programs because they're not culturally responsive and they're not culturally affirming. When I say these words, what that looks like is if a child goes to a curriculum and they see a name, a black child goes into a curriculum and they see a name of a child that's named Bobby. Nine times out of 10, they may not be able to relate to that name. There are a lot of curriculums that don't have a Jerome, that don't have a Tyrone, that don't have a Tamika, that don't have a Shira, that don't have the kids' names that are in our schools. And so guess what that makes our child feel like? That they're not included. And this is a underlining, systematic, white supremacist agenda. And so if you're a Black leader, in a role that's in education, these are things that we need to talk about. These are topics that need to come to the forefront. These are topics that need to be at the boardroom tables. These are topics that we need to be bold about and speak about and speak to the needs of our children. I read an article that was called, That's My Job, Black Teacher's Perspective on Helping Black Students Navigate White Supremacy. It was an amazing article, but the one thing that stuck out to me the most was teachers understanding how to use the emancipatory pedagogy and how this emancipatory pedagogy was an umbrella. And underneath the umbrella lied culturally responsive pedagogy, culturally affirming pedagogy, and it was making sure that students were understanding their power through understanding their history. It is so key that we as Black leaders, we as Black teachers, we as Black administrators, whoever you are that I'm speaking to, it is key that we understand how to 
integrate emancipatory pedagogy in our conversations with Black kids and our curricula with Black kids and resources with Black kids because this affirms them and allows them to understand who they truly are and understands the power of their story. This is really important. Another topic that I want to touch on really quickly is policies. There are a lot of policies here that just do not make sense for kids of color, but also do not make sense for teachers of color. And I'm not going to elaborate on it too much, but I want to allow you to think about some of these underlining agendas that happen that create environments where you feel scared to speak up in the educational system. Now, when I was reading this article, many of these educators had to be anonymous because they did not want to share that they are pushing emancipatory pedagogy throughout their classroom to their specifically Black kids. I could see if they were all different diverse children in the schools or in the classroom, but these are specifically Black kids that they see have low self-esteem, that they see struggling mentally. And you're telling me that these teachers are getting shunned and talked about because they are only trying to lift up our kids. So as you heard earlier, as a Black leader and an educator, it is our social responsibility. It is our social responsibility to educate these babies. It is our social responsibility to affirm these babies. It is our social responsibility to teach them where they were from. As educators and as a role of a Black person in education, what are you doing to be able to see these outcomes for your Black children? How are you affirming these students every day? How are you creating spaces for culturally responsive resources? How are you speaking up for allocated budgets for Black curriculum providers or just culturally responsive curriculums, period? Another thing I want to touch on is African-American vernacular, better known as Ebonics. So there's a such thing called code switch. And I think it's a good thing that we know code switch. But what I would say is that we don't teach that to children. And I think it's important to allow them to find themselves or be able to create themselves in different spaces. And so when I look at or when I go into schools and see principals talking and see district leaders talking. The funny thing is that when I go down to the ground level and walk into the school, the principal is like, uh-uh, pull up them pants. You know, they're talking just like a child and they're on that child's level. But what that child does not see is when that principal is in a cold switching environment, you know? So I appreciate the principals and the Teachers that make their conversations culturally responsive, they're able to relate to kids, they're able to reach kids, but we want to be able to teach them how to survive in any environment. And if that has to do with code switching or understanding how to perspective take and empathize with other people and respect other people and appreciate diversity, we need to show that to them by the way that we model our skills and not hide those skills from kids because they're just not in those rooms when you're presenting to board members or you're presenting to districts. So we want to show them who we fully are, who we fully are, because that's how Black students are going to survive in this world. It's something called the Black student experience. And we want to make sure that as Black leaders, our roles are 
you know, in this education system, that we're impacting our students the best way we can. And we're allowing these Black students to get the best experience because we might have not had the best one. I visited a school a while back. I was speaking, I was going to speak, and it was upstate. And, you know, it was a very interesting experience. And the reason why this burdens me a little bit is because when I got to the school, there was 200 staff sitting in the auditorium. And the day before I flew in and I intentionally drove around the environment of the school, I wanted to like see the neighborhood. I want to see the kids that these teachers serve because I was doing an all day presentation. I was doing a keynote and then I was doing three breakout workshop sessions. So it was a long day. So I really wanted to understand the environment. And then I sat down with the superintendent and I sat in a couple of meetings and saw you know, a black kid get kicked out of his class because he was fighting, but then he started crying. I was sitting in the principal's office. The mom came, the father was locked up, learned a lot of information about this child and his mom. And the superintendent looked at me and she said, what do you think we should do? And so we talked to the child and we found out that the child was going through some issues and had some gang related issues that he wasn't a part of, but he was getting threats and his brother was getting threats. So he felt like when he came to school, he had to defend his brother and defend his household because these people knew where he lived. And so all leadership in there was white in the meeting. Nobody seemed like they could connect whatsoever. I mean, they, everybody looked lost, you know, and the mother was just like, I'm sick and tired of y'all calling me. My son didn't do nothing wrong. Y'all talking about suspending him for 10 days. He got, you know, sports. He got this, this. So she's just being a mother, you know, concerned. I'm trying to, you know, stand up for her child. And that burdened me first and foremost. That was the first day I came in. The next day I spoke to a staff of 200. And when I looked out into the audience, there was two black teachers and the rest of the teachers were white. And I was trying to understand the dynamics of the school because all of the students were black, majority black and brown kids. I didn't see, probably I might've seen maybe three or four white kids, but I seen all black and Hispanic students in the hallways. So I looked at the crowd when I first walked in, because I first asked the superintendent, I said, how real do you want me to be? And she was like, down for the cause. Like, we need to get these teachers together. They're not culturally responsive. And so I looked at them and I said, how many people have been down the hill to the projects? And their school was on a hill and down the hill was the projects. And you could go right, you could go left. Projects was to the left, the highway was to the right. So they looked at me and only one person raised their hand and it was obviously a black teacher. And so everybody's face got red. And I said, how can we know who our students are? How can we be culturally responsive to these students? How can we understand the needs of our students if we don't even understand the environments that they live in? And so I believe that all Black educators, this is a call to action, because if you're a Black educator and you're influencing, not only, and I'm not saying you always have to influence a Black child, but if you have an impact in an urban district where you have Black children around you, there are so many children that are seeking Black leaders in education that they do not see around the nation. So if you're one of the few that are in the urban environments that Black students can be impacted by you, that they can be influenced by you, that they can be loved by you, that they can be cared by you, this is your social responsibility. 
Is your social responsibility to model key social and emotional skills, to be empathetic, to be perspective taking, to understand how to build these authentic and genuine relationships, how to model self-discipline and goal setting? Because a lot of the times these students are not having that. They're not seeing that in their homes, especially in the environments that I work in, in the alternative arena and the juvenile justice space. So I thank you. I commend you for your work, your efforts, and your support to the work that you do every day and the students that you serve. But I most of all thank you for your commitment to following after our ancestors and believing that it's your responsibility to each one, reach one, teach one. And as always, keep dominating. In order to help you guys become better leaders, click the link in our show notes to download the top five ways to encourage Black leaders in education freebie. This is it for this episode. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and share with your friends. And we'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you.